We spent a lot of time talking about meetings today because some news from Bloomberg shows that big companies waste $100 million a year on useless meetings that could have been an email. So on that front, we decided to ask you about your experience with meetings, your worst meetings, your longest meetings, ever fall asleep at a meeting? Also, today is the day before the second National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. So today, we spoke to author David A. Robertson about opportunities for Indigenous authors and the part that he's going to play in that. And we spoke to the head of the Winnipeg International Writers Festival to find out what kind of programming they have lined up for tomorrow. And since we can't do it on Friday, because she's not going to be here, we got a one-day-early Gab with Gabby. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, who's on Connecting Winnipeg this week. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Thursday, September 29th podcast for The Start. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg once again today. And of course, we have much to discuss, including Hurricane Ian, and we're going to head to Sarasota, Florida in our next segment and be joined by Global's Reggie Cicchini. And lots to set up for tomorrow for the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. But we wanted to just touch on this briefly because I was sad yesterday. We got a note from our national news desk just before 9 o'clock last night that the Associated Press had confirmed the death of Coolio, the rapper, who was among hip-hop's biggest names of the 1990s with hits like uh, Gangsta's Paradise. You remember this one? One of the biggest songs of the 1990s. It was, it was actually featured in a movie called Dangerous Minds. That's the voice of Michelle Pfeiffer in this music video. Mm-hmm. Lousy movie, but great soundtrack. Terrific soundtrack. And Coolio, as a guy... Personally, who wasn't into necessarily hardcore into hip-hop or rap, Coolio lived in that sweet spot in between hip-hop and rap and and popular music. He found the ability, I think, to stay above and out of the fray of the East Coast versus West Coast rapper thing and, and found his own niche. Yeah, he was a big part of my youth because I used to, I think I've said this before. Oh, yes, of course. But this particular song called Fantastic Voyage, I would wake up to this song every day. I had my Sony stereo rigged to, like, it, it actually allowed me to, to pick a song on a CD and, and start with that. So every day I woke up to this song. So it was kind of a nice way to, I would wake up like, just sort of bobbing my head as I'm shaking off the cobwebs. Fantastic voyage. So, yeah, I know that many of you might not have ever heard of Coolio, but for many of us, he was a big, like, he was a huge part of my youth. And if you didn't recognize his music, you would certainly recognize a picture of him. His hair was very distinctive. Yeah, he had those crazy braids that were sticking up all over the place. So, yeah, he uh, his music was fun. It was hopeful. It was, in- I think he wanted to try to inspire people to to pull themselves out of whatever bad situation they were in. Uh, so just wanted to pass that along. And if you hear more Coolio music through the day, through the morning, that's why he is dead at the age of 59. It is Thursday, which means it's our small town salute day. And we're doing something a little different today involving our ice hockey team. Winnipeg Jets. 
have done this in the past. And of course, pandemic press paused, but they like to go out and get into the community. So they do a town takeover and we'll find out the details. And if you live in a small town, a small town that's sort of hockey crazy, and you'd like to have the Winnipeg Jets come invade your town for a couple days and, and set up and take over uh, your classrooms and take over your uh, community hall and an opportunity to watch a game and have it produced uh, Im- immaculately for you, uh, you'll want to pay attention coming up at 735. That's neat. That sounds really fun. So, again, small town salute every Thursday at 735. And, of course, tomorrow is the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. We will be here, by the way, with CJOB. We'll be broadcasting live all day long. Uh, And at 705, we're going to speak with one of our favorite guests about opportunities for Indigenous authors. Yes, uh, David A. Robertson will join us, and he made this announcement on social media uh, the day before yesterday. We tried to get him on the show yesterday, but he's going to join us this morning. Uh, I believe he's still in Toronto to find out what he's going to do, the role he's going to play in this new initiative in helping uh, new Indigenous writers uh, bring their stories forward. And he'll tell us why he thinks that's important and how he's going to help facilitate that. Okay, so that's coming up at 7.05. And a reminder, we do have two tickets for preseason action, Winnipeg Jets versus the Calgary Flames on October 5th. We'll give those away uh, coming up at about 7.50, 7.55 in that window. And later on at 9.15, we've got two tickets for the Bombers and Riders. This, that's tomorrow, tomorrow at IG night. Field. Yes, and over 30. I mean, I think on Monday they announced uh, the Blue Bombers did that they'd sold over 30,000 seats for Friday's game. Wow. So closing in on yet another sellout. Um, Listen, uh, if you've not been to a Blue Bomber Games in several years, look at the forecast for tomorrow. It's going to be a perfect fall evening for football. And if you've not been to a football game in several years, why not go out and check out the Blue Bombers, Rough Riders, the best rivalry in the Canadian Football League, in the best stadium in the Canadian Football League. So we'll tell you at 645 how you can win those. And it has to do with something that made me laugh yesterday on Twitter. Oh, did I laugh. It's Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg. In our next segment, we're going to tell you how you can win yourself some tickets for tomorrow night's Bomber Game. Riders in town. We've also got tickets to give away to see the Jets and the Flames October 5th. Some preseason action. We'll give those away next hour. And at 7.05, we're going to speak with Indigenous author David A. Robertson, one of our favorite guests. And he wants to tell you about some opportunities, some new opportunities for Indigenous authors. So we're always excited to talk to David. So that's coming up in our next segment. Mm-hmm. But right now, it's doing something you're always doing, Greg. I'm scrolling through Twitter. <laughs> it's rubbing off. Scrolling through Twitter yesterday. And I came across something that caused me to cackle with maniacal glee. How how does that sound exactly? (laughs) Something like that. Perfect. That's how I had it imagined. Yep. So I see this from Bloomberg. This could have been an email. Useless meetings are costing companies $100 million a year. That's for big companies. And it goes on to say, employees say they don't need to be in nearly one-third of the meetings they attend. 
and women are more reluctant than men to decline invitations. So after I stopped laughing, I guess my next reaction was this, as expressed so delightfully by Captain Raymond Holt in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Vindication! Look, I've never, I've never hidden from the fact that I hate meetings, particularly the before times meetings, not so much with the virtual meetings. I think, you know, our company, for example, has done a really good job at keeping them tight. You know, they, they set a time limit and they try to stick to that time limit. But in the before times, pretty much every meeting would just drag on. I couldn't stand all of the idle chatter. Um, wasn't that the name of your show, by the way, when you first started? <laughs> it was. And when you said it, I'm like, oh, great. Brett's. <laughs> Wasn't a fan of the, of the chatter back in the in the not eight not nine era. Yeah, Mackling of course is the talk idol. He's the reigning talk idol. Or here at six eighty CJOB, and he had a show on Saturday nights called Idle Chatter. But uh, yeah, meetings just too much idle chatter. And all I could think is, can we get on with this, please? So what are your what's your thoughts on this, Mackling? So many meetings that have been unnecessary over the years. Uh, my boss in Calgary, Chris Fong, uh, great guy. Uh, no agenda, no meeting. That was his rule. And if you didn't sort of plot out, A, what you're going to talk about, clearly that's the most important thing, but also some timelines as to how long you were gonna, going to discuss it, when the meeting would begin and when it would end, the meeting wasn't happening. And I think that was based on his experience with horribly long and non-productive meetings. And I think we've all been there. And, and quite often, it's the meetings with the most number of people that end up being the most unproductive or unproductive, non-productive. You correct me on my English. The bottom line is so many meetings, as expressed in this article, a complete waste of time. And whether they are in actuality or not, the perception is that they're a gigantic waste of time. And if that's a perception, then you have a huge problem. Yeah, like they walk away from a lot of meetings and think, Yep, that could have been an email. I don't know why we had to go through that. And uh, but you know, I think that as I mentioned, our company's been good over sort of adapting to because what happened when the pandemic hit, of course, is all the meetings became virtual. And I think for many companies, they there were too many of these meetings. Yeah, and I think even with us, there were probably it felt like we there were too many. So you mean the, when we were in the same space? No, but like once the pandemic started. Oh, okay. Sorry. When yes. the pandemic started, we ended up having too many virtual meetings and okay. then they figured out how to dial it back. Mm-hmm. And they, so they, because we had weekly staff meetings and they started canceling some and they'd give us like mental health breaks for me. Like this is a no meeting week. Uh, so I appreciate that uh, sort of thing. But, um, and they're also, they also tell us that, you know, hey, if you can't make the meeting, like it's not mandatory. You know, if you decline a meeting, the the world, the sky isn't going to fall. Mandatory meetings are a little bit frightening. Yeah, right. When you said everyone must attend, oh boy, someone's going somewhere, or there's an announcement that a lot of us are not going to like, or it's really, really good news. Sometimes mandatory meetings are good like that. But uh, you know what? The best thing about this uh, new work life that many of us have found us in it's the lack of a pop in meeting. We talk about the pop-in and whether you like it at home. Yeah. What about the pop-in at work? Oh. You've got your head down. You're trying to do something. And I know I do this to you pretty much every morning, Brett, several times a day. <laughs> um, but that's my MO. That's the way I work. That's the way I roll. But it can be exhausting, especially if you're in a, in a role where 
you have so much to do and you have people that answer to you. And I've not been, <laughs> to be clear, I've not been that person on the other side of it. But you could tell sometimes, you know, this is the most important thing for me right now. We must talk about this. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the person on the other side just doesn't simply doesn't have time and where it ranks for them is really low on the totem pole. So I can imagine people in positions of authority are really digging the lack of the pop-in meeting. Yeah, and I'm curious to know what's going to happen when, if and when we get back to something a bit more normal around here. Will in-person meetings resume or will it remain a virtual thing? And I kind of, because I, I got to admit, I, I don't mind the virtual meetings because of the, A, the, 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 we've got a 30-minute time limit, let's stick to it, let's go. And B, the oper- the, 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 I can decline some of them. Like, for example, um, if, if I get a meeting request for Friday at 11 a.m., that's an almost automatic decline. Because, I have other plans. Well, that's my weekend. That's you know, right. I wouldn't, if, if we were to request a meeting at 4.30 on a Friday, do you think that's happening? No, it's going to get kicked to Monday. How about we declare or uh, schedule a meeting for, I don't know, 9 o'clock on a Thursday night? Yeah. Because if we get an invitation for a four o'clock in the afternoon meeting, that's the equivalent for us. Yeah, so. that's right. <laughs> and we also we also you talk about the pop in meeting as well. And back in a uh, in the before times, sometimes we'd be on our way out the door on a Friday. Yes, and then they'd say, "Oh, uh, can you stick around? The boss wants to meet at eleven o'clock." And it's like, not really. Like, why? Why on a Friday? Why do you want to? No. So I, there are. There are certain things I'm hoping continue the way they are. Even yes. if we get back to in-person, I don't want to get back. To, I don't I don't want to do the, I don't want, just <laughs> thinking about the in-person meetings. Oh, God. And the sales, and back in the sales days, four o'clock meetings on Friday were meant for exclusively one thing. And that was to make sure you didn't have a seven-hour lunch on Fridays. <laughs> Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg. Going to continue the conversation on meetings and invite in the group for this chat because we're, we were discussing how Bloomberg says big companies are wasting $100 million a year on useless meetings. That could have been an email. And we want to talk about meetings and what you have experienced in meetings, the longest meeting you've ever been in or the dumbest one. Or maybe, I don't know, you ever fall asleep in a meeting? I do all the time. All the time. I remember we, and this wasn't so much a meeting as it was a, an important training session, but we had to come down here to when we were still at Polo Park and we had to come down to Global for some training. And uh, I ended up with this seat like right in the middle of everybody. There were like 50 of us. And I was I, like full on bobbing for apples. Just oh, was that that the, open media training? No, it was uh, some flooding. Oh, training. I think that was you, Greg. I remember. I that was you, Greg. Yeah, that, that's, that's part of my story. <laughs> I remember that meeting. That's the biggest meeting we've ever had in this space yeah. that I can recall. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, what's, okay, I want to, Forte, go, I, I want to learn more about this. Oh, it was like four years ago, and we were doing social media training, and uh, they start the meeting off with a, uh, with a film, you know, this guy comes on the screen and goes, oh, hey, didn't see you there. And it's one of those <laughs> lame, lame things to do. And we're all laughing our heads off. So the film ends. And then uh, the presenter, she's from Toronto, and she goes, uh, can somebody wake him up? And there's Mackling just crashed in the chair. I'm smiling. 
I'm just I'm having the greatest time. And then we get into the social media thing where you we're playing around with the filters and I'm freaking out because I'm just having so much fun. Yeah. Lorenz on the other side of the table, far end of the table, and she's pointing and laughing at me. Cam's beside me, he's laughing, and then Brett starts filming me about me freaking out and he's laughing and just it went off the rails so fast. <laughs> I remember just, that meeting. It was so much fun. That was like the funnest meeting I've been in. Okay. A good one. I like that. Uh, what, what about you, Mr. Mr. Jeff Braun. Well, for me, the last two and a half years, the, the meetings haven't been too bad because I've been working from home. So they've all been, uh, you know, over the computer. And about one week into this mess, I decided, oh, you know what? If we're just sitting at home on the computer, I'm buying some wireless headphones. And so if it's a meeting where I don't have to talk, I am getting stuff done around the house. It's, uh, <laughs> and every now and then, you know, one of the managers will be like, uh, I hear someone doing their dishes. I assume that's Jeff Braun <laughs> over there. Been quiet today, but so I've been trying to make the most of it for now before we have to go back to to like a regular meeting, which I'm not looking forward to at all. Yeah, no, the the the, the these virtual meetings have um, added an interesting element, right, where you can either be getting stuff done while you're still yes. participating, or maybe you gotta leave the building. Like I gotta go. I got an appointment to get to, uh, but I'll I'll have it on in. Beside me in the car, I'll just be. I'll, I'll put my you know the meeting on, and I'll just throw it beside me. I'm not you know watching it or really like I'm like actively participating, but I can hear it and paying attention. So, and if yeah. you need to leave, you just press the button, yep. and away you go. <laughs> See Goodbye. ya. It's 11:30. <laughs> I'm you don't have here. to get up uncomfortably. Not everybody's watching you. You don't have to fumble for your bag. It's outstanding. Poitras, what about you? Uh, it was at a, a past radio station I worked at when I was younger. I was around 21. Uh, like I was working 60 hour weeks at this point. I was a one man newsroom. Uh, I was just, I, I, I like, I, I don't regret any of it. I worked like, that's where I probably I, by far I learned the most uh, about the industry and everything like that. But I mean, I, I remember when I left uh, the boss's wife there said to me, yeah, well, we usually get about a year you guys before we run your ragged. And he was kind of laughing about it. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what happened. But every Wednesday I had to have a meeting with my program director. And in that meeting, I had to justify every single hour that I worked, what I was doing, what contacts I was I, I was building and, and all this other stuff. Um, and I, I, I found it ridiculous. I mean, I was working all throughout the weekends and during the weekdays and he was off with his girlfriend on the weekends and uh, it just ticked me off. And it was, I wasn't given any guidance. I was giving no direction. And I, you know, I, it was just terrible. I dreaded Wednesdays. I'd be the first to admit that, uh, you know, as a 21 year old, as you could probably imagine, I didn't handle it always the best. <laughs> um, but man, I hated those meetings. Like it, it was just, it was so ridiculous. And he didn't know anything about news gathering, anything like that. Uh, I'm still, you can, <laughs> I, I, I hated those meetings. I hated them. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not laughing at your misery. Just the no, no. The, 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 the increasing, you, you can feel your anger rising. You oh, feel God, just as like you're retelling boiling. the story, you can tell yeah. you're reliving it. Yeah. We got into like, uh, they, it didn't end, it did, those didn't end well. I mean, eventually we stopped doing the Wednesday meetings because I kind of, uh, we'll just leave it at that. It wasn't, it, 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 wasn't, <laughs> it, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. Mackling. Okay, so I'm going to leave the name of the movie out of this. I'm going to leave the date out of it. I don't want anyone reverse engineering uh, exactly where I was and where I was working. But uh, once upon a time, had a conference call, uh, Canada-wide conference call. I was on said conference call while I was in a movie theater. And I'm very <laughs> proud of it. <laughs> You're proud of it? Yes. 
Yes. I, I needed to see this movie. It was opening day. And uh, there was no chance I was going to be able to see it on the on the weekend, and I feel bad to the, a certain extent because I guess I was stealing time from my employer. But uh, <laughs> I worked for I worked on commission, so I, I was less I felt less guilty about it. Let's put it that way. Good movie. Yeah, best conference call I've ever been on. <laughs> <laughs> How did you talk through? It? Like, wasn't the movie loud? And when you're Oh, nobody had to talk. Like there was oh, like a hundred. Okay. There was one hundred and fifty people on this meeting. Nobody, oh, nobody was asking me for any advice. It was a presentation uh, of some importance. <laughs> you know, the worst part about meetings for me is when we have to go through every. Like, first of all, like, oh, everybody introduced themselves. I understand it's like an important part, but then at the end of it, when everyone's like, "All right, let's get the heck out of here." All of a sudden, everyone that like has to that has to pretend they're important and has to like say their piece about it. And I'm just like, this is a this is a run out the clock situation. Let's all get the hell out of here. Everyone keep their mouth shut, and we'll get out of here quick. Yeah, that's the way to handle <laughs> more this Sasha Bar- Baron Cohen uh, directed meetings. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I, I remember being in a meeting back when I was uh, when I was Charles Adler's technical producer, and we had a meeting with our then program director Kevin the Lizard Wallace. After the, he said, "Guys, I can I I got to talk to you for a couple minutes after the show." He just had a note about the program and what he, something he wanted us to change. And okay, and uh, Lizard, of course, was previously Chuck's uh, technical producer, and so they were good buddies. So the 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 content of the meeting, what we needed to discuss, took two minutes. And then I proceeded to sit there and watch Lizard just shoot the breeze with Charles for 45 minutes. And, of course, I'm getting annoyed because I had work to do. And I guess I started huffing and puffing or something because Lizard finally he says, Oh, uh, Brett, uh, sorry, you look annoyed. Is something on your mind? And I just said, Well, the meeting was over 45 minutes ago. I got work to do. Like, can I go? <laughs> so he's mad at me. I'm mad at him. And I, all I could think was, this was pointless. <laughs> It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg. Small town salute coming up at 7.35. It involves the Winnipeg Jets. Stand by for those details. Speaking of the Jets, we've got tickets to give away for preseason action. October 5th, Calgary Flames in town. We'll give those tickets away later this hour. Before we introduce our next guest, we're asking you to tell us a story about meetings. Do you like them? Hate them? You ever fall asleep in them? Got a gripe about meetings? What does Paul have for us? Paul liked our gripes uh, about meetings. Agreed on all points for meetings, online or other. Best one was recent in-person sales meeting developing uh, developed via pandemic. All presentations were recorded and then shown on a screen. Presenters given set times worked like a charm and stopped uh, run-on presentations. Awesome and left more time at the pool in Palm Springs. (laughs) And this listener says the company I worked for in 2015 flew me one afternoon to Vancouver for a 90-minute meeting in a fancy ballroom of a hotel and flew me back out 4.30 a.m. the next day. Absolutely pointless. Side note, the company is now no more due to bankruptcy. Uh Aha. Mm-hmm. See, the meetings killed the company. <laughs> 204-780-6868 for a chance to win the bomber tickets. We'll pick a winner at 9.15. Our guest, next guest is the best-selling author of the ongoing Missawaz saga, including The Barren Grounds, The Great Bear, and The Stone Child, the two-time winner of the Governor General's Literary Award for On the Trapline and When We Were Alone, and the recipient of numerous other awards, among them the Writers' Union of 
Canada's Freedom to Read Award. His books have also been shortlisted for the prestigious TD Canadian Children's Literature Award and the Ontario Library Association's Silver Birch Award, among others. So he lots of awards, okay? And uh, he's been included on several best of the year lists. Yes, and I had to edit that, if you can believe it, Brett. Uh, this part of the announcement uh, from Tuesday, Penguin Random House Canada announces an exciting new development in the Tundra Book Group, Canada's oldest English-language children's book publisher. Effective November 7th, 2022, David A. Robertson will join Tundra Book Group in the newly created role of editorial director in which he will develop, shape, launch, and oversee a new children's imprint dedicated to publishing Indigenous writers and illustrators. On the eve of the National Truth and Re Reconciliation Day in Canada, let's say good morning to David A. Robertson, one of the most celebrated writers working today congratulations my friend oh thanks good morning boys how you doing we're doing very well uh, we'll ask you what it what this means to you in a moment but what does the creation of this position mean for aspiring indigenous storytellers i think it means a lot uh, i don't think there's anything like it right now in canada um and what it enables new and emerging writers to do is to, um, you know, provide an outlet for them to share their stories um, and to get an opportunity to share their stories. And, you know, the kind of opportunities that I, I've been able to have. And one of the things that I think is important for established writers is um, to open doorways for um, the younger generation to uh, continue the work. And it's so it's been so important for me over the last couple of years to advocate for um, new voices. And um, I'm really excited to be able to do it with um, with this imprint. We've been working on it for a while and um, I'm, I'm glad that it's finally uh, starting up pretty soon. Now, David, it's one thing to be recognized for your own writing excellence. What does it mean to be looked upon to inspire and guide others on their own. You talked about opening doors. So what does it mean to inspire and guide others on their own literary journey? Well, I, you know, I don't, it's all, <laughs> I, I, I think that over the years I've, I've realized that, um, you know, I've become um, someone that uh, new and emerging writers, younger writers um, have, have contacted to or looked up to or asked advice from. Um, so it's a role that I've embraced, um, especially over the last few years. Um, and I do think it's, you know, really important. You know, when I was younger, um, when, I, when I was dreaming of becoming a writer, it was the writers working to, at that time that inspired me and showed me what was possible. Um, you know, people like Tom King and Beatrice uh, Calton, Nam Mazanier, uh, who wrote April Aintree, you know, th those writers um, were role models to me and they opened doorways for me. And without them, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. And I think that, you know, with me and a lot of my colleagues in the writing community, we've been able to do a lot of good work in reconciliation, share truths that are, are really important if we're going to move forward together. And, um, and so I want to do the same thing. I want to be able to, um, you know, mentor uh, new and emerging writers, I want to give them chances to share their truths because we need them. Um, you know, if we're really going to work towards reconciliation, we need to continue to read stories, and those stories need to continue to be published. And um, and I, you know, I've always thought like if someone if it needs to be done, um, if I don't do it, then I can't rely on it being you know someone else doing it. You you have to take the initiative. And so um, so I'm I'm really glad that Tundra saw that vision and 
and brought me on board. Well, I wanted to have a little bit of a fun piece of this conversation about meetings and how much how many meetings this position will involve but you know you said something about mentorship and so I want to talk about that quickly and the idea of mentorship and and did you have mentors in a formal sense David and and if so what was their role and if not how valuable would it have been to have somebody that that you know a formal you know mentor to help you on your journey First of all, if you want to follow my wife on Instagram, you'll see what happens to me in meetings and during movies. Is I I'm, I fall asleep a lot. Um, but <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, absolutely, I had mentors, and I think that it's formal and informal mentors. You know, like I think as a writer, um, you have mentors, and just like when you read a book, they're mentoring you because you're learning skills, um, you know, a character development, sent a structure, all of those things. Um, and, and so that helps. And so I look at, at a lot of the writers that I've, I read as mentors because they teach me how to do my work better. But I had formal mentors too. You know, one of the, one of the ones that have been the biggest in my life is, is Dr. Neil Besner. Uh, when I went to university in the late 90s, um, he was gracious enough to allow me to show him my writing and also to meet with me after class um, and give me feedback. And uh, that was really important for me to um, begin to develop skills that I didn't know that I needed. Um, and also just to you know, have him tell me, Dave, if you want to get better at writing, you have to read more. You're not reading enough, you know, stuff like that. So, um, so I've had both, you know, and I think that uh, mentorship comes in a lot of different forms. And, um, and I, I definitely, what part of my role it will be to mentor as well. Uh, and it, it will be more of a formal sense. Hopefully they won't sleep when I do when I, when I help them out. But <laughs> Well, David, uh, it's never a dull moment when you join us. Thank you very much uh, for the time as always, sir. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate it. David A. Robertson, award-winning author and is now joining Tundra Book Group in the newly created role of editorial director in which he will develop, shape, launch, and oversee a new children's imprint dedicated to publishing Indigenous writers and illustrators. Also a heads up for today, one of the things Global News will be focusing on is what schools are doing to mark the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation and how are those conversations going with your kids as they head to school today. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg. We're asking you to tell us a story about meetings for a chance to win bomber tickets for tomorrow night's game. What does Kyla have for us? At my previous job, a new director decided that we'd have daily stand-up meetings. The premise was each employee would share what they were working on on that day. No more than two to three minutes each while standing up. I hated those meetings, says Kyla. I'm most productive first thing. And those meetings just suck the energy out of the day. Most <laughs> days I had no clue what I'd be working on because I hadn't opened my email or couldn't remember what I had left over from the day before. Waste of time. That's dumb. That is dumb. I don't understand why so many companies have to have these gimmick kind of things, right? Like, what do you think you're accomplishing by putting people on the spot and making them stand up? They're just going to be anxious for the most part. Well, Nobody because, wants- Brett, they'll come early. They'll come 20, 30 minutes early on their own time and open their email and check and see what's going on so they've got something prepared for the meeting that begins when they start getting paid. Ah, look at that. Okay. Angela with a good point here. 
who says maybe management and leadership wouldn't have to have so many meetings if employees actually read their emails for important information and guilty as charged. I can't tell you how many emails I miss or forget about. uh, Even yesterday, I was looking for something else in my inbox, and I stumbled upon a reply from our boss to an email question that I had asked her. So I sent her an email asking a question. She responded to it. I missed it and just happened to find it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> so uh, it was kind of an important question, too. Too much email. Too yeah. much email, too many meetings. Small town salute. Normally in this segment, we take a virtual visit to a small town in Manitoba, which may ultimately invite you to explore their part of Manitoba, make a day trip, vacation, or maybe attend an upcoming festival. Well, this morning we want to tell you about an event which wants to come and visit your small town, courtesy of your Winnipeg Jets. We were meant to have you all come out here in 2020, and here we are in 2022. We've worked really hard together in order for this to happen today. Yeah, the anticipation... It's all just come to a flourishing end. It's just been beautiful. The kids are absolutely loving tonight. The parents are loving it because the kids are loving it. It's just, it's fantastic. It's just been a great, great night. That is the voice of town councillor Peter Bullivan during last year's Winnipeg Jets town takeover in Stonewall. Manager of Community Relations for the Winnipeg Jets is Corey Harnum. Good morning, Corey. Morning. How are you doing? We're doing great. It's uh, Jets game day, of course, which always, uh, you know, uh, makes things a little bit happier around here. Before we uh, let small towns around the province know how they can put up their hand and say, pick us, pick us for this season's event. Tell us about uh, what went down in Stonewall last April. Yeah, so this past April, we, uh, which was a long time coming, they were uh, actually winners in 2020. Uh, as part of our Jet Town Takeover contest, but with the pandemic and uh, gathering restrictions and those things, they weren't. Uh, we weren't able to host right away. So 2020 uh, April, we finally were able to do it. So it was a long time waiting for them, but uh, uh, yeah, we had a full day of uh, school visits. Uh, we did some uh, on ice um, hockey, minor hockey uh, practices, and then finished it off with a viewing party. And the Jets were in Carolina that day, so. Um, yeah, all part of the experience, as Peter mentioned there in the voiceover, uh, it was a great, uh, it was a great time. Stonewall was a great community and, uh, as was Morris back in 2019. And we're looking forward to the next, uh, to find the next, uh, great community. So what's the process if a town wants to throw their name in the hat? What do they do? Yeah. So our contest opened uh, this past week on the 27th, uh, and it's open until October 11th, essentially, uh, if you are living in a uh, small town community in Manitoba and, and you want to get your uh, your town in the running or community in the running, all you got to do is put a put a, a little video together uh, and enter it on our website, which is uh, winnipegjets.com forward slash town takeover. Uh, there's a submission form there. You fill it out with some information, uh, attach the video, uh, and basically just tell us why your town or your community is deserving of the Jets Town Takeover. And what we'll do, we'll uh, that contest is open until October 11th, and then a, a panel of our uh, staff will uh, select finalists, and then the voting goes to the public. It's, uh, it's a public vote, then the top three uh, between October 18th and 28th. 
and then uh, by the end of October, we uh, we announced the winner for uh, for the 2023 Jet Town Takeover. If you go to WinnipegJets.com, you can find the video uh, from you know that it's attached to the audio that I pulled just a few moments ago from Stonewall from last year, Corey, and the. You know, this is a huge event. It's uh, professionally pr- produced. It is a genuine town takeover, events throughout the day. Is there a community mm, that's too small to hold this? I don't want to put it that way, but do you need to have a, a certain size facility in order to accommodate this uh, production? There certainly is elements that we uh, we like to include. Uh, as I mentioned, it's a full jet experience, so we 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 want to we bring our Project Eleven team into the schools to do uh, classroom sessions. As I mentioned, we also uh, like to incorporate a minor hockey uh, component. We uh, we bring our some of the uh, Jets alumni in as well to to help run the practices, and then uh, a social style viewing party of uh, which is family friendly, of course, but. So you know, there's there's the ice rink, there's the uh, viewing party in uh, town hall, I guess, or community center, and then the school portion as well. But of course, if if, if we find a town that's deserving, and uh, you know, it's maybe they don't have an ice rink, but there's a, you know, there's there's every town's in the running. If, it, if it's not an ice rink, maybe it's ball hockey, or maybe it's a, a you know, we we incorporate a different sport that is big in their community, and maybe they're not a hockey town, but they're a, they're a basketball town, and we find a way to incorporate that so there certainly is no town out of the running if, if you're a community in manitoba and uh you guys got a passion for the winnipeg jets then um you're, you're certainly in the running our guest is Corey harnam manager of community relations for the winnipeg jets and we're talking about the winnipeg jets town takeover contest open to rural manitoba communities until october 11th you've done this twice stonewall earlier this year and morris in 2019 in the before times how did it go in morris in that first uh, town takeover it was really good that was of course uh, the uh, inaugural event for us so with anything the first time you you, you never know what to expect but uh, the community there uh, the, the organizing committee uh, in Morris were, were phenomenal uh, super patient with us as we as, as both sides kind of figure out what this looks like and 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 how it goes um, so yeah we had a great time in Morris and then as I mentioned had a, had a winner in 2020 ready to go in Stonewall but um, you know, so when once April of this of this year, 2020 came along or 2022 came along uh, and they were finally able to host, uh, there was a lot of anticipation. It was, a, it was a long time coming. So and the organizing committee there in Stonewall were phenomenal, uh, super patient as well, as, as I mentioned, getting through a pandemic and um, being understanding of, of, you know, gathering restrictions and those things. So. Uh, it's always it's always neat as as part of this contest to you're not just meeting fans of of a community you're meeting a group of individuals that are are passionate about giving back to their own community and that, and that's kind of a, a neat side you see that um, you know they're not just they don't or at least so far they haven't they don't do it just for the sake of winning and and getting this prize they're doing it as well to to give back to their community and um, so that's always neat to see as well April eleventh twenty twenty three it could be your town hosting the third Jets Town Takeover event. The deadline to enter is Tuesday, October 11th at midnight. You can go to winnipegjets.com slash Jets Town Takeover to enter your town today. Corey Harnum helping us flip Small Town Salute a little bit on its ear today. We appreciate it, Corey. Good to talk to you, friend. 
Thank you, guys. Have a good day. Corey Arnum, manager of community relations for the Winnipeg Jets, talking about the town takeover on 680 CJOB. Sounds fun, Mackling. I think it would be a blast for any community. And like I said, if you want to see uh, what happened last year in Stonewall, shoot us a text or shoot me an email, gmac at cjob.com, or shoot Brett an email, brett at cjob.com. We'll send you the link and... Yeah, get your town in the running for this. Lots of worthy communities. Lots of places uh, that would be pumped right up for this. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg. A reminder that we've got tickets to give away for tomorrow's Bomber game. We're asking you to tell us a story about meetings. This listener says, My in-office days are super unproductive because of all the in-person meetings and random people popping into my office. I feel like it's better when I'm in all week. A buddy of mine recently, he t- went through this. He says that he actually got to go into the office for the first time since the before times like his whole department, and he said they, they, all, they felt like rock stars because everybody was coming around to see them, and he says he accomplished nothing. <laughs> now, so that's okay for a day or a part of a day, but when that becomes the predominant way your days go, and I know it can for some, it's not fun. No. It's not great. It's not productive. No. Like, I hated working from home. I was so bored, but I will say I, I've never gotten more work done. <laughs> Than yeah. when I was at home. Yeah. So, yeah. yo to that. <laughs> In the meantime, it's Thursday. We usually do this on Friday, but we have a special treat for you today. Who is here, Mackling? The anchor of Global News Morning from CKND Television, Channel 9, Cable 12, Channel 101 on your Shaw cable box. Gabrielle Marchand. Good morning, Gabby. I'm always so impressed with that on your Shaw cable box. Please tune in and keep me employed because I don't want to work from home. And have zero employment. Here's the thing. If I worked from home, I'm kudos to everybody who works from home. I would accomplish nothing. I've tried working from home mm-hmm. and I don't get anything done. I basically just sit around and end up drinking endless amounts of coffee, sending a lot of texts to my mom <laughs> and getting <laughs> nothing done. But the biggest part of your job is to is to deliver the news and to, to be the anchor of your show. Like you would at least get that three hours done. I mean, would I? I feel like I would, <laughs> I would probably have silk pajamas on and uh, I would just do it from my couch, but it would be sloppy. It would be a sloppy delivery. Yeah. Let's say that. Well, that's what was Loren wearing for the first while of the pandemic? Batman PJs, right? Batman PJs. I love that right. for her. I love that look for her. <laughs> so we would like to review the week's topics, and we are going to ask you about meetings in a moment. But we another thing we talked about this week was gathering places that we miss. So like old movie theaters is what sparked that conversation. Or maybe it's a community center or a park or a rink or a nightclub that is now gone. Like a lot of people mentioned scandals. The other day, Mackling, Ooh. Scandals on Pemina, which is gone. They tore the whole hotel down. Yes, they but, did. But um, what was uh, a place for you, Gabby? Maybe anyone who's grown up in a small prairie city can relate, but our malls in North Battleford, terrible. Both malls were just horrendous. Kind of depressing. Not many stores, but great places to go. You would go regardless because you wanted to support the three or four stores that were there. And then there was always like a little local place to eat. There was a Mr. Sub at one of them. Everybody oh. remember Mr. Sub? Yeah. 
And then great spot for taco salad there. They randomly had taco salad and I loved it. And you'd go hang out with your friends and you'd go look at bootlegger and peruse what was going on there. And then you'd wander down to the dollar store. Then maybe you'd go to the no frills, but you'd kind of just, I feel like I spent a lot of time hanging out there also with my family. I feel like when my parents had nothing for us to do, they'd just take us to the mall and we'd wander around. Yeah. And then we'd get a deep fried pastry called elephant ears because all my stories come back to food. So you were mall rats. I was a mall rat, little mall rat, but it wasn't even a good mall. That's, you know, that was kind of it. <laughs> and sorry, what was that? Elephant ears? Yeah, it's it's sort of a deep fried pastry. I think it'd be almost like a beaver tail. I'm just looking this up right now. I've never heard of this. Okay, yeah, that looks good. Cinnamon elephant ears. Was it cinnamon? Yeah, cinnamon sugar. Okay. What does Jerry Seinfeld say about cinnamon? Whenever something is delicious and you ask, what's in this? Inevitably, the magic ingredient is Cinnamon. Cinnamon. Hey, have you ever had the cinnamon fries at uh, St. James Burger on Ness? I've been really wanting to try that place. It's good. I've heard that. Mackling? You tried it. We both tried it, right? We tried them together. Yeah, they were very good. Yeah, I was stunned. Because when I I heard that they they used cinnamon, I thought, come on, and French fries? But it was amazing. When has cinnamon ever let you down, Brett? Ah. You know what? I don't know, because there's cinnamon and pumpkin pie, too, right? There sure is. Cinny fries sounds delicious. You guys aren't coffee drinkers, but for people who do drink coffee, sometimes I'll put a little, a wee bit of cinnamon in the coffee before I brew it. So you just sprinkle it in there. Oh. And then out comes a delicious cinnamon nectar that also keeps you awake. Do you actually make like a pot of coffee? I do that every Saturday and Sunday. I actually have an espresso machine. I hate it. (laughs) <laughs> because I don't like to drink coffee. I like to drink sugar milk. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'll make a pot of coffee every Saturday and Sunday and then just pour cinnamon and sugar into that. Sugar milk. <laughs> well, not as good as the uh, old white bread and butter sugar sandwiches I used to eat from time to time as a kid. But uh, <laughs> sugar milk, you go right ahead. And, uh, well, yeah, that's how it was for cereal. Any healthy cereals I ate when I was a kid, whether there was Cheerios or Shreddies. Oh, something. yeah, you had to sprinkle a little sugar on top? Oh, it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be a sprinkle. <laughs> two it tablespoons? Be, it'd be like two or three tablespoons. Oh, really? Yeah. To the point where, like, when you get the cereals gone, it's just milk and, and a, like, a mountain of sugar underneath the milk. You could actually scrape it. Look how yeah. tall you ended up, though. Clearly, it worked out for you. Well, we just figured out uh, Sugar's uh, latest marketing campaign. Sugar makes you tall like Brett. And uh, meetings. What do you have to say about meetings, Gabby? I think there are a lot of me. I, now I'm trying to figure out what I can say, given that I'm talking. Your about Your bosses are not place. listening. They're not listening. And I w- I've been totally honest in saying that. I generally, generally speaking, I hate meetings. I hate them too. And you know what? Zoom meetings. There's so many of them. I never turn my camera on. I don't want anybody to know what I'm doing. Not that I'm doing anything bad. I mean, I'm probably just making a pot of coffee to put milk and sugar in. But you know, I, I just I don't want my face on the meeting. I never turn my camera on because I can't control my facial expressions. It's going to be bad for everybody involved. So, it, it, it's, you know, I've admitted, I think that that lobster may be the vessel just to eat more butter. Is coffee essentially a vessel for you to drink more sugar and, and more milk, Gabby? For, for me, and there's a lot of people probably shaking their heads listening to this. I'm sorry. I, I admit it. I'm not a real coffee drinker. I'm a fakie when it comes to coffee. Donut in a glass. Well, that's why, isn't that why Tim Hortons, the double-double is so popular? Like I, I, I'm not a coffee person, and I'm not saying this as a slam on Tim Hortons, but I you know, know some people who are like, 
consider themselves coffee aficionados. Yeah. And they, they say that Tim Hortons coffee is not as good as others. That's why the double double is so popular because you got to add all that extra stuff to make it tastier. I have no comment. I, I don't know. Really quick before I say goodbye, hear me out, people. A full spoon, a giant spoon of sweetened condensed milk in your coffee. That'll take your troubles away. Gabrielle Marchand, she is the host and anchor of Global News Morning, weekdays on Global Winnipeg from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m., except for tomorrow, national programming tomorrow for National Day for Truth and Reconciliation, which is why she's here today. Gabby, always a pleasure. Yeah, take care. Happy Thursday, everyone. It's Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg. We have bomber tickets to give away for tomorrow night's game. We're talking about meetings and the things that annoy us about meetings. Or maybe you got a funny story about a meeting. Do you fall asleep in meetings? And we read this one earlier, but in case you missed it, this one's nuts. This listener says, The company I worked for in 2015 flew me one afternoon to Vancouver for a 90-minute 90, a meeting in a fancy ballroom of a hotel. And then they flew me back out at 4.30 the next morning. Absolutely pointless. Side note, says this listener, this company is now no more yeah. due to bankruptcy. Aha, aha, but company morale, Brett. Uh, Peter just sent this one in. It's not in the wheel. I'm going to sneak this in if I can, Brett. My most unproductive meeting was one my boss called. All of us gathered in the boardroom to get ready for the meeting. After 15 minutes, still wasn't there. Someone went to get him, said he forgot about it and had to go to, guess what? Another meeting. <laughs> what a waste of time. Don says, back when I was hauling meat loads from Alberta to New York City, we had a driver make a serious mistake and destroy a $750,000 load. The company decided that all drivers had to take a four-hour course in hauling refrigerated freight. I got in on a Friday morning after driving all night, but instead of going home, I was told I had to take this course. I thought they were joking, but no, they were serious. So I walked into the classroom. As soon as the lights dimmed for the video presentation, I was sound asleep. Four hours later, the instructor woke me up and stuck the test in front of me, which I scored 100%. Talk about a waste of time. Yeah, probably a good four-hour nap, though, Don. Uh, Sheila says, a company I worked for when I was younger had a meeting in Saskatoon for the day, and all the employees across Canada had to attend. So the owner of the company sent his private jet to pick the employees up. Here in Winnipeg, spent money for a private charter plane from the other cities to bring the employees to Saskatoon. To be honest, it was a pretty cool experience. I mean, how many common people can say they flew in a private jet? The meeting was great, and so was the dinner afterwards. This man actually rets out his private plane to famous people like Robin Williams, George Lucas, Britney Spears. That's cool, Sheila. That's a meeting I can get behind, but mm-hmm. Megan is our winner. In case you missed this earlier, Megan says, every morning at work, we have a quick morning huddle type meeting, just general announcements and whatnot. Unfortunately, some days there isn't much to discuss, and on this particular day, I happened to get my hair done the night before. My normal brown curly hair was now blonde and straightened. So picture 20 mechanics in a circle standing in the middle of the shop discussing whether my hair was a good change. So I asked, well, what was the consensus? And Megan says that they're uncomfortable with change, LOL. (laughs) So I added, hey, sorry I had to deal with that. And Megan uh, found the bright side. She says, actually, I'm super glad that they're comfortable enough with me to rib me every once in a while. It makes me one of the guys. And as one of the guys, I'm also happy to be noticed when I have pretty girl hair for once, LOL. Pretty girl hair, pretty boy hair. There's nothing that feels better when somebody notices your appearance, comments on your tie, or comments on your shoes, or your haircut. 
and said, geez, you look so nice with that haircut. But then you don't have to, you don't want to delve too far. What was wrong with my previous hairstyle? <laughs> Did you have an issue with that? I just walk away at that point. <laughs> like, all right, you want to go, you want to turn it into something negative? Fine. <laughs> oh, you can if you want to, Brett. It's easy to do. Yeah, no, I'm not. If you want to go down that road, I'm not going down there with you. But yeah, and, and like our colleague Gabby just got herself some new boots. She's very excited to show off her new blunnies. So yeah, steel gray. Steel gray. That's the official color. I kind of want to steal that color from her because I need some new Blundstone boots. Ah, Canadian footwear. We got right. them there just down the road, man. I know. I can see them from the window. And a reminder that one of the things that Global News will be focusing on today is what schools are doing to mark the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation and how are those conversations going with your kids on that as they headed out to school. So we'll have more on that through the day on CJOB and on Global Winnipeg. We did reach out this morning to Brian O'Leary, the superintendent of the Seven Oaks School Division, and we're trying to figure out if um, he was just joking around with us or if it was actually happening because we've been talking all morning about meetings and the various <laughs> gripes we have with meetings. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just replied in the last uh, 20 minutes saying, sorry, Brett, missed your email. Just heading into a meeting now. <laughs> so either <laughs> either Brian O'Leary listening to our show religiously and has one heck of a sense of humor or he's just uh, off to yet another meeting. I'm sur- sure it was uh, one of many that uh, he's having today and throughout the rest of the week. Also, a heads up, just got word that at cjob.com, there's now a story up uh, to let uh, you know what events and ceremonies are happening tomorrow to mark National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. So you can find that at cjob.com. And as we discuss the second ever National Day for Truth and Reconciliation, if you are looking to mark the day, as mentioned, lots of events happening, including some right now that we're about to tell you about. Yeah, Charlene Deal is the director of Thin Air, the Winnipeg International Writers Festival, which began on September 20th and runs until October 18th. Full f- details at thinairfestival.ca. Good morning, Charlene. Right to, nice to speak with you again. Oh, it's so nice to be back. Thank you. So what sort of programming and events do you have lined up for tomorrow? We have a really special event in the evening tomorrow called Nijote Stories. We initiated it last year as a way to mark the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation, and it's, a, it's very close to my heart. It's named for uh, Elder Theodore Fontaine, who died last spring, and who published a really amazing memoir just over a decade ago called Broken Circle and about his experience at... Um, at uh, Fort Alexander Residential School and also at Assiniboia uh, Indian Res- uh, Residential School, a very you know gripping memoir. He was um, he's a really major figure in this community, a real community builder, and definitely a a teacher for me, but also a friend for me. And he adopted his great grandfather's name as his kind of spirit uh, guide name, Nijote, which stands for Two Hearts. So we initiated a, a series last year, which will happen on September 30th uh, at each festival called Nijote Stories, where we feature a writer who is sharing, a writer or writers who are sharing, you know, kind of a view of life um, through a truth and reconciliation prism. So uh, this year, our guest is uh, Bomgishik Isaac 
Murdoch, who's a storyteller, Anishinaabe storyteller from Northern Ontario, a really amazing man. Uh, so that's actually going to be virtual, um, and it's uh, run in partnership with McNally. So all the stuff is on our festival website, the, the links for how to get there, uh, and also on the McNally website. So you say it's going to be an annual series. What, can you maybe talk about just the importance uh, of ha- making sure that you had specific programming for September 30th? Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, the, the, the interesting thing for me, like I've been in this, uh, the, the director's chair here at the festival for 20 years now, which is kind of a shockingly long time. But one of the things that, I've, that has been a, a joy of this, of this work is seeing each year what, like what books are kind of emerging um, across the whole country and further afield. But my real focus is Canadian writing. It's my training and also my passion. And it's really partly about like how do we know who we are and one of the things that's been so marked over that over the last 20 years is this emergence of a, a truly dynamic, exciting field of Indigenous uh, writing. It's, like, it's probably some of the best writing in Canada is being written by Indigenous writers. And it's, uh, it's so very fresh for those of us who don't come from Indigenous communities or might not even know very much about Indigenous communities. But it's also uh, quite, quite an interesting invitation into seeing the world in a different way, uh, kind of inhabiting you know, the landscape in a different way. Uh, so when the, so the, the interest and in kind of concern for foregrounding writing, writing by Indigenous writers has been in the festival as long as I've been here because it's really, uh, it's really the, probably one of the places of greatest excitement for me about what's happening in our national literature. So we've had uh, a lot of Indigenous programming for for several years. We did a huge project in starting in 2018 called Voices in the Circle, which is a way for us to kind of gather and showcase um, writing by this particular group of writers, which in itself is very varied. Like, let's be serious here. This is not like a, you know, there's one idea equals Indigenous writing. No, it's mm-hmm. it's extremely varied, as are the people, as are the nations. But um, so when the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation was was uh, named, it coincided for us with the project we'd started at the point of the release of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission report. We had started to do a talk, let's talk about reconciliation event then, and so we've kind of allowed that to develop a little bit more and placed it on September 30th because it is an uh, an invitation, I think, for all of us to just think a little bit more deeply and, you know, including the discomfort of thinking more deeply about the history of our country, of our settlement, of what's, what, you know, what have we inherited uh, and, you know, what can we do moving forward to come toward a place of better living and, you know, better shared responsibility for how, how we all inhabit um, a shared country. You know, we are all treaty people. And I do think books and writers offer a very, uh, very welcoming opening. It's, I'm not going to lie, sometimes it's quite uncomfortable. But there's a certain kind of learning that can only happen through agreeing to be uncomfortable. And when you are 
being offered a story or when you're when you allow yourself to sink into a book the there's a certain way that you can be more brave with yourself and you know if as a non-indigenous as a, as a person from a settler community like what can i experience from a different point of view and how will that alter my perception of of who i am and the life that i lead and the ground that i stand on and my part in creating a healthier community moving forward. Yeah, delving into that in uh, many, many pages and and from another point of view goes a long way in doing that. In my view, Charlene Deal is our guest, the director of Thin Air, the Winnipeg International Writers Festival, which goes through until October 18th. We just have a couple moments left here, yeah. Charlene, before we let you go. But tomorrow we're speaking with Sheila North about her oh, memoir great. book, uh, My Privilege, My Responsibility. Can you tell her tell us a little bit about what her involvement is with the festival? Yeah, you bet. So uh, we have we have invited. I think we have. I think we have fifty seven. Oh boy, you know, I didn't. I didn't do my homework. I think we have fifty seven confirmed writers this year. So each of these writers, uh, we we selected them um, based on new books that they're you know that that emerged in the huge pool of books this year, and hers is one of them. And so she's a uh, she's a featured writer on the festival website, thinairfestival.ca. So each of the each of our writers has a writer profile there, which tells you a little bit about the writer, um, a little bit about the book that they're featuring, and then um, they our writers have all submitted almost all submitted videos to go along with those writer profiles. So yeah, she's one of the featured writers. So that's a book that we are championing this year as one of the books that we really hope people will read. It's a it's an amazing uh, story. She's a she's a very strong, very accomplished woman, and that memoir of her path is uh, you know will you'll just give your head a shake when you when you understand the things that she has accomplished, um, and also some of the barriers that she's faced. Um, it's a it's inspiring. Well, we're looking forward to that, and we thank you so much for joining us once more, Charlene. Your insight is wonderful, and we appreciate it. So, thank you. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Charlene Deal, the director of Thin Air, the Winnipeg International Writers Festival. Full details on the festival at thinairfestival.ca. So once again, uh, tomorrow's programming, Nijote Stories, uh, it's a virtual event on Zoom. We can send you a link for it if you'd like, or you can get information at thinairfestival.ca, as well as they have an event as well on October 1st, a launch of Marie Anhart Baker's latest book of poetry. And that is again on Saturday, October 1st. And if, if you're still looking for an orange shirt for to celebrate tomorrow, Brett, 445 King Street, Mama Way, has uh, T-shirts available for $10, except for the big guys, uh, $12 for 2XL and up. But you can get these uh, incredible shirts, Every Child Matters shirts, and supports Mama Way as well, 445 King Street. What... Uh I need an orange shirt. Uh, where is, uh, how far down King is that? Not far at all. I don't think it's probably on the other, I'm going to guess it's on the other side of of uh, the main uh, CPR tracks. Okay. But just into the north end there. Okay. Yeah, that's a good idea because I, I, don't, I don't have any orange clothing. So I sort of didn't really prep for that. 